What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we've got a great one for you today. We're recapping the NFL draft. Finally, something live in sports is happening, uh, and I've got Graham Farrell on to talk about it. We talk about guys that we liked, guys that we didn't, some teams that we thought had fantastic drafts, other teams that we thought could have done a little bit better. Uh, And then we talk MJ Doc. Uh, Episodes three and four dropped Sunday night, so we get into that. A really good conversation. Here it is. Now joined with Graham Farrell. Graham, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with me today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. I hadn't uh, hopped on the mic in a long time. Uh, formerly the pod father, but it's been a very long time since I've been on one. So I'm, I'm excited to get going, man. See, if I had known that was your name, I would have given a more formal introduction. You know, I would have thrown that pod father in there, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you let me know. So we understand that this is really a, a special occasion. It is. It is. So I like to I like to keep it in the shadows. I'm like Batman. I hide in the night. And I, I, not too many people know about the pod fire, you know? So. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, now all my listeners are, are going to find out. So, so the legend will, will continue to grow. <laughs> but uh, this weekend we had the closest thing. Well, here's a, the funny story about it. I don't know if you saw, but Adam Schefter tweeted out on Sunday something like, feels so good to finally have something like live sports again. And then the WNBA family just totally ripped into him because I guess the WNBA draft was last weekend. I had no idea. Um, but he, he was getting hate left and right about like, you know, that wasn't the only thing going on. But I mean, I can't, I can't blame him. Did you know the WNBA draft was going on? Only because someone reposted a picture with the uh, girl from Oregon and who was the first pick. That was like mm-hmm. a triple double machine. But, but here's my thing on that with Adam Schefter. It's like, you, you don't, if, if people don't love the WNBA, right? Like it, it's pretty unanimously known that like the WNBA is not on the tier of like an NFL or an NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the two highest tiered sports in America. And for you to just like keep forcing it upon people, like makes people actually like it less. So if yeah. you kind of just let it like ride a little bit and not like stay on top of people and not make Adam Schefter apologize for not, you know, giving it some notoriety, like, I think people would like it more, but when you stay on top of us, I mean, I don't force people to like MMA. It's my favorite mm-hmm. sport. I don't force people to like it because a lot of, it's not for everybody. Some people don't like watching people get knocked out. So I just mm-hmm. think if they maybe stop forcing it so hard on people uh, and not making Adam Schefter apologize for getting assaulted, then uh, they'd be okay. But here we are talking about it. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I will say it's better now than when WNBA players were calling out NBA players saying that they could beat them in one-on-one competitions. Like, I don't remember if you remember when Brittany Griner said that about DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, and it's just, it's just an all-time, like, clip reel of them going – I think it was during the USA basketball camp. And they just videoed, like, each people's reactions to, like, something like that. Um, but, no, I agree with you. I think if it was something that, that was just brought about more casually, uh, then, then I think people would like it. Um, but anyways, that's not, that's not the main reason I've got you here, uh, to talk about the WNBA. We're going to talk some NFL draft. So first off, I mean, there were some major challenges getting this draft off the ground. Um, just from a technological standpoint, obviously, uh, the, the NFL said nobody could be in the same room together. So everything's happening remotely. The information from the scouts, uh, passed on to the general managers, making the decisions as well as the broadcast itself. Um, how, how do you think it went just from a, a purely, like, the fact that it was all online? How did it go from that standpoint? 
I mean, I think it went as well as you could have asked for, right? I mean, they didn't have any real technical errors. Like, I thought it was interesting to see everybody's kind of like in their home. You know, normally first round's always there. Uh, I thought from a pure production standpoint, ESPN, ESPN did a pretty good job. Uh, and they got Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. He's one of my favorite draft guys. So I thought they did pretty good. Uh, aside from Trey Wingo, um, basically making everybody want to slit their wrists, um, I thought it was a really good production. So I just don't think sticking with the idea that, to, to, you know, to talk about someone's ex- stealing their ex-girlfriend's purse twice, and that's the reason for their slide. Like, I just don't ruin a kid's big moment. You know, that's yeah. just one. You only get drafted once in your life. Unless you go to the XFL, then you get drafted. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that can – hopefully they can get back off the ground again, um, unfortunately there. But oh, yeah, uh, pro- probably <laughs> rest in peace. But, you know, you, Vince McMahon's a genius. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. I actually didn't watch any of ESPN's coverage. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Bleach Report guy, so I was watching them – uh, all weekend but I kept seeing on Twitter you know and obviously you posted a video um, uh, well now's a good time you need to plug your Twitter go ahead right now because basically Graham put up this video uh, of of um, you know random se- random selections and he was Trey Wingo basically saying that um, you know the, the various things that caused him the slide like the Unabomber being the prospect's father or something like that um, so this is a pretty funny, funny video, but what? I, sorry, I don't have your your Twitter offhand, and I can just uh, I can plug my it. My Twitter handle is just at Johnny Rambos, J O H N N Y R A M B O S. Basically, like John Rambo, Sylvester Stallone. That's what my podcast was named years ago. It was the Johnny Rambos podcast? Still don't really know where the name came from. It didn't come from John Rambo, <laughs> but here we are, four years later, still talking about it. Um, so, but yeah, I did the video, and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. They always say that anxiety is the biggest destroyer of creativity. So I just was like, well, let's post a video, act like we're Trey Wingo, see what happens. That's a pretty good interaction. It, it did. Yeah, no, it's like, I think last time I saw it was like eleven or 12,000 views. So that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Didn't get a ton of hate, which when you post something on Twitter, uh, that's something you never know. You can end up being the biggest villain on Twitter 24 <laughs> hours later. That's all you cro- crossed in fingers because you never know what's going to happen on Twitter. So. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is um, it's not often that Twitter's always on the same side of one issue. But it felt like with this whole Trey Wingo thing, like pretty much everybody was against it. Um, so, so that was that was good that you you capitalized on that moment. But so let's talk draft um, from a from an analysis standpoint. So, what were some of the things that kind of stood out to you um, as far as maybe a team's picks or or a position group, um, at, especially in round one? We'll start there. Um, well, I mean, I think Isaiah Simmons, you know, not a lot of people saw him going to Arizona. I mean, it, not a big slide or anything like that, but the fact that Arizona ended up with Isaiah Simmons, they traded their second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and Josh Jones fell to them in the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can really get asked for a better draft if you're Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. So uh, you get help for Kyler, you know, at all areas and you get a guy that can play any position on defense. So I think they vastly improve as a favorite to win the Super Bowl next year you know, probably outside the top 10, top 15 odds. But I still think they're – if you were to bet on them two weeks ago, you would have made a lot more money than you would have bet on them today, Monday morning. So yeah. I just think that changed everything. I love their draft. I like the Dolphins okay. I think they had to pick Tua. Um, I think with your, when you're picking a guy like that that's that much of a freak, um, kind of shove the injury history in the pocket. I mean, it's two freak injuries. Like, that could happen to anybody. So I, I'm all in on picking Tua right there. And I, I don't know, Justin Herbert could be good. I still, the verdict would not be out on him, right? Like he's like a quiet kid. Sometimes he's an yeah. NFL quarterback. 
you got to be a little bit of a personality and not scared to kind of express stuff. So I, I don't know. But the Cardinals were my favorite, by, fo- by far my favorite draft. So. Yeah, no, I kept saying – it just didn't make sense to me that, that Cliff Kingsbury, I'd call him the prince of the air raid offense, would, would pick yeah. a defensive player in the first round. But obviously, like you said, Isaiah Simmons right there is immense value. And Josh Jones, I mean, many people had at least, at the very least, a late first-round grade on him. And he fell all the way to the third round, I think. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That was a big move. Um, the and one the thing Browns, I thought, And the Browns falling into a good offensive tackle. Oh, yeah, game. that was – that was awesome. That was amazing for them. Best possible scenario. Yeah, you get who is it? Jedrick Willis. Jedrick Willis. Jedrick Willis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, the fact they fell into him is so big. Like, I'm just glad to see the Browns taking the best player available and not taking a chance on a guy in the top ten. Take the best available. Get on with your life. They signed. Uh, was it Conklin? They signed mm-hmm. from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they got they got booking tackles now. And I don't know. It's Baker's year to prove it. You get Grant Delp in the second round. Another value pick. Um, I, I was a big fan of the Browns draft. I think they're finally going with best player available, just like the Cowboys did. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see now. Like you said, this is a big year for Baker because last year there was no offensive line at this point, and now they've got Jack Conklin uh, and Jedrick Wills. And Jedrick Wills, the only really bad thing I heard about him is can he make the transition from right tackle to left tackle? And, I mean, uh, at Alabama, he was uh, protecting to his blind side because he's a lefty. So it's it, you're doing the same things, just um, just reverse. I mean, I don't think I don't foresee an issue um, changing over that way. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I don't one, know enough about the position to know like the difference. Between, oh yeah, you know, I've never played tackle, so it's mm-hmm. like I know I don't know how the transition would change. I don't think it'd be a huge transition, but if he took an off season to change, I, don't know. I had a buddy that played at Virginia Tech in college, and he played left tackle and right tackle. So I'm sure I could ask him, like you know, hey freshman year you were left tackle sophomore year you're right tackle what the heck is it what what is it yeah you know I don't fully understand why that's such a why that's such a nag on somebody Mm -hmm. yeah and and especially for a guy that really has no other like major weaknesses um it could have just been that that they had nothing else and it was like oh well what can they do there um but yeah I agree with you I'm not really a big I'm not really a big tackle scout so I'm basically just you know regurgitating everything that I've heard from like guys that are a lot smarter than me the one thing I was going to bring up here, especially, is it seemed like the corners that a lot of people had as highly rated um, were kind of shaken up as far as where they were drafted. Uh, obviously, like Noah Igbenogany was drafted in the end of the first round. Most people had a second round grade on him. Uh, Damon Arnett went to the Raiders um, at 19, which is also a big surprise. And then a guy who I liked, and I know you liked because you're a Clemson guy, AJ Terrell went at 16. Um, it's pretty high. Yeah, no, yeah, it's pretty high. I mean, do you, like, in your best guess, like, why do you think teams went this early at corner when in the second round there were guys that had first-round grades um, that, that were still available? Well, I think corner is a position of, like, I think everybody views cornerback differently. Like, they, they change every year. Like, there's so many different types of cornerbacks, like body type, speed, size, what de- type of defenses they can play in, how you can scheme, you know, what schemes they work in. And I think A.J. Terrell's a guy that's, like, I mean, he's big, tall. He's 6'3", 6'4". He's really long. He's fast. He has great coverage skills, great man coverage skills. He's mm-hmm. an okay tackler. But he's a guy that, you know, highest ceiling, you got to look. Maybe they're going that. I, I don't know. But, I mean, he was really good until the game against LSU. And Jamar Chase made everybody. And Justin Jefferson made everybody look bad. So, you know, what are you going to do there? But I still think he went pretty high. I thought he was late first round, early second round. But, hey, you take a chance on a guy. So, 
Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think recency bias did affect him or we thought it would affect him more than it actually did. Cause I mean, most people going into that last game had him as a, a guy that would be solidly picked in the first round. And then after that game, he dropped to the middle round three, which was weird because I mean, LSU beat up on everybody. It didn't matter who they were. Um, and even CJ Henderson, a guy who went top 10, who was a surprise to me. Um, I don't know how I feel about him just yet. Like, People keep talking about his recovery speed as like his number one trait. Like the first thing they bring up is like, oh, this guy's got great recovery speed. But I mean, if you've got, if you've got man coverage skills, you don't need recovery speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to use the B word and call anybody a bust at this point, but um, ability is pretty high. If, if you had, yeah, if you had, if you were pointing a gun at my head and you were like, who's a guy that was picked early in the first round that you don't think is going to work out? Um, I'd probably go CJ Henderson and I wouldn't have to think about it too much. Um, the other big thing was the Packers taking quarterback. Now I actually really like Jordan love. I think he's got some really good traits at that position, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers, we all knew going into last year, he needed wide receiver help. So sure. You get a quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the same age. Brett Favre was when they drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005 and they got him in the late round. So it was perfect. But then the next pick you take Cam Akers a running back when you've already got Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams. Uh, and then they went, they went in the entire, it was, I think the most receivers ever picked in any NFL draft and they didn't pick a single wide receiver. Uh, I mean, what are they doing? Well, I just don't understand, um, you know, why that is. They also, it was AJ Dillon, not Cam Akers. For future oh, my bad. My bad. Sorry. Sorry about no, that. No, no, just, just for future reference. And so people don't hop on this podcast. And <laughs> you know, people, people get more excited when someone's wrong than when they're right. Right. Like when they can correct Sorry. somebody is there, this is the greatest moment of their life. I don't get it. I don't get it. But people prey on wrong people, which is amazing. But it's very true. No, I, I agree, man. I, I just don't understand the Packers philosophy behind everything. I mean, you want to ruin Aaron Rodgers prime, go ahead. Right. But like they made it to the, uh, you know, NFC championship game last year. So it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Right. Like, mm -hmm. well, why are you, what's the deal here? I just don't, I don't know. It, it made no sense to me. Jordan Love and AJ Dillon is your first two picks. Like this is, I don't know. I mean, Mike McCarthy's gone. You got the new regime in, like you would think like they're trying to help Aaron as much as possible or the new regime doesn't like Aaron as much as the old one did. So yeah. that could be, no one's talked about that as much yet, but maybe they're kind of ready for Aaron to get out of the door. Mm -hmm. And, People have been bringing up – I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. People have been talking about how, oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is on the decline. Because, I mean, he's 36 at this point. They keep pointing to he only completed 62% of his passes last year. But when you're throwing to Devontae Adams and guys that you sign off the street, it's kind of hard to, to keep that percentage at a, at a high number. Um, so, I, yeah, I would have liked to see them go after – I mean, looking at this point, they, they could have gone um, – I'm just scrolling through wide receivers they could have taken. You know, Denzel Mims would have been available. I think he, he's a late first-round guy for me just because he of athletic traits. And I know Higgins. that he's a Clemson guy, and I, mm -hmm. I talk about I, – I honestly got him not super biased. I, in the draft, I kind of was having fun with the mock draft. But T's a guy that – I mean, I watched for three years. I You know, when I sat in the press box, I sat and watched. T was the one guy that I was just so enamored with. I was like, this guy is a freak. I've been tweeting about T for three years that he was going to be the best receiver in this class. And I think the verdict's not out. Obviously, it's not out on that yet. Mm -hmm. But I think T is – his ceiling is so high. Yeah. Could be around a 4-5, 4-6. People are like, oh, you know, nah, Maybe he won't be like – he's A.J. Green. He's A.J. Green from, you know, 10 years ago. And now he gets to learn behind A.J. Green for a year. 
probably play with AJ Green in the offense unless they trade him. Yeah. The rumors are that they might. Um, but but I don't know. I was just a huge T. Higgins fan. I don't understand why you want to take Jordan Love, who is so inaccurate and the worst decision maker of all time. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you can change a guy's decision. I seriously just don't understand with that pick, though. Yeah. No, there was – I mean, there's a ton of value. That was the one thing that we kept coming back to is that um, – I think Adam Schefter was one that tweeted out is that some scouts believe that there was like 20 to 25 first round guys there in the second round. And I thought, so I was, this was my first year, like looking at the class, trying to scout them as best as possible and kind of charting it out. And when I made my top 50, I was like, I don't mind if any of these 50 guys go in the first round. And I thought it was just me, you know, my first year, like, wow, everybody's so good. But uh, then, then, you know, you hear that and it's like, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, was there a guy, I mean, I know you mentioned T. Higgins, but was there a guy in round two that you were specifically a really big fan of, whether it was just upside or, or talent that they can play right away? I mean, I'm, I'm big on Grant Delpit. I think Grant Delpit had, he was hurt most of this year. He played through injury. Um, he didn't tackle as good. And I just, listen, if you're a safety or a cornerback, I get it. You've you got to be good at tackling. That's a part of football. But if you do your job right – it doesn't come into play that much, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing your job, it's not going to come into play a ton. Like I didn't get when uh, who fell last year to the Browns, the cornerback that was from LSU. Oh, the- uh, greedy, greedy Williams. Greedy Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Like the best cover corner in the draft, but he had a tackling issue. If you do your job and you're as good of a cover corner as people think you're that good of a man and you can be greedy Williams Island. Why does it, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter. Play a game, then it matters. So I, I didn't understand the Grant Delta fall, and I, I thought that was a great value pick by the Browns. Two years in a row, getting an LSU player in the second round, it was probably it could have been a top ten, top five pick. You know, yeah. a year ago from when they were drafted. So mm-hmm. that was probably my favorite second round guy. I'm just big on the Browns right now because I really want them to be good. Yeah, but also, no, I agree. Their philosophy to me is so much different than it was five years ago. They're actually taking a guys who are best available instead of they took the Oklahoma State cornerback in the top 10 years ago. And that still to me makes no sense because I'm all out. I don't think taking corners top 10 is a good idea. First yeah. off, it's a, one of the trains I'm on. And I'm sure Okuda will be good. I'm just not in on taking corners top 10. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's so we were talking about it last week on the podcast. Like think about all the lockdown corners over the last 10 years. It's like true lockdown guys is what, maybe three or four. And I think when you get a guy top 10, you expect him to be that lockdown, like, you know, Revis Island type of guy. Obviously, you know, his stretch, some people may never compare to, you know, when he was in his prime. But, you you know, you want a guy like Jalen Ramsey or or Darrell Revis, those are top 10 worthy guys. And everything outside that, I mean, you can throw throw half the league in, in zone coverage and hope for the best, you know, but it takes a true talent to be able to lock a guy down. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a guy like Thoreau Rios for a pretty long time. I mean, he was he was a freak on another level, man. And I know he got – you know, everybody gets burnt once in a while. That's how it is. No one, You know, no one's going to stay undefeated forever, right? Like, mm-hmm. mistakes happen, losses happen. And, you know, I saw Richard Sherman peeping him on Twitter the other day, and I was like, they're not even – Richard Sherman's great. I love what Richard Sherman does. He's a trash talker. He's a bigger personality than Darrell Rivas ever was. But pure corner, Darrell Rivas is so much better than Richard Sherman. It's not, it's not even relatively close, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not a debate at all. I mean, respect to him because, I mean, you look at there was a it was a a big drop from Darrell Rivas's like the last few years of his career, and Richard Sherman's obviously found success with the 49ers in lengthening out. You know, he's getting into what is he 32 or something like that, and he's still playing at a pretty high level. Um, so obviously that's that's a big thing. But 
I mean, you're not, you're not shutting guys down by yourself at this point. You're not, tra- you're not traveling with receivers like Revis did during his prime. Uh, was, there, was there a draft overall, like as a whole, especially late round value that you really liked or maybe a couple? Um, I mean, I know I've already said it, you know, the Cardinals one, two and three, mm-hmm. you know, was, it's my favorite draft in a long time, really. Man. I mean, if you can trade, you know, Bill O'Brien is so incompetent and I don't want to get started on that because I could talk for two hours on it. Uh, there's a reason everybody else had a GM on one side and a head coach on the other side of the screen. And the Texans had one guy for both mm-hmm. and he's doing the worst job of all of them. Um, but yeah, I didn't even like the Texans draft. I mean, I just didn't, I don't know. A lot of it, you, you draft a defensive tackle in the second round, and uh, no, it was uh, Blackstock. Uh, oh, Black, Ross Blacklock? Ross Blacklock, right? Like, okay, could be a stud. Well, you let DJ Reader, who's probably a top 15, 20 guy at his position, walk in the offseason and go to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? So you, you traded that you, instead of Nuke? Yeah. You got Ross Blacklock. <laughs> that's that's you your that's your guy, yeah. I mean, that's, that's who you got, David Johnson, who is so over the hill. Like, I, David Johnson's done. He's mm. not, he's done. But, so, I mean, best case scenario, he's a third down guy, you know, like that gets in and, and makes some plays, but you don't trade a top five receiver in the league for a second round pick and a third down back. Nope. And it, it just is the incompetency when Deshaun Watson walks in 2021, wherever he goes, somebody's getting, you know, someone's going to hide a home run. Yeah. Uh, if it's the Patriots, I hear the Patriots really want to land him. So he would be a Bill O'Brien or Bill O'Brien. He'd be a, a Bill Belichick guy, in my opinion. I mean, I think their personalities mm-hmm. would mesh pretty well, but I don't know. But, yeah, I love the Cardinals draft, and I loved uh, – I like the Dolphins draft, too. I thought the Dolphins drafted pretty well. Um, I think that they got two – they surrounded two with enough. So, I, I think they could be – I don't think the Dolphins are going to be good anytime soon, by any means, but I think they, they stockpiled picks, and they drafted pretty well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think everybody in football basically said, all right, the game plan is – Get Tua, get an offensive lineman to protect him, and then and then just fill in around there. And I think they stuck to the plan pretty well. Um, I mean, yeah, you can make a case that they reach for a guy like Austin Jackson at 18. Yep. I mean, I don't I don't hate the pick because no guy at 18, whoever, whether it's Isaiah Wilson, Josh Jones, or Austin Jackson, were gonna be uh, anything less than a project. You know, like they have some really good traits, some athletic traits, but. I mean, outside of the top four, you're not getting a, a, a day one guy. And I mean, even in Mekhi Becton, you know, there's there's some room for him to improve as a project a little bit too. Yeah, um, I actually think that he is more of a project. I think he should have been a second-round guy. I mean, I get it, his ceiling's so high. But that was like an NBA pick to me. Like, you're basically just drafting a guy for his physical tools. Like, yeah, he could be the best tackle in this class, absolutely. But I think it's going to take him a year or two to kind of come into his own. And the NFL, especially in a city like New York, is very impatient. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very – you write guys off within a year or a year or two. I was it Eric Flowers that the Giants wrote off pretty oh, quick? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah. wasn't good. They switched him to guard, I believe, and he just signed a pretty big deal in Miami. He was very serviceable for the Redskins last year. But, um, I mean, cities like New York, they hop on you, and when you're not good in year two and you don't get production, you're bust. And yeah. I hate that, but that's just how it is. So, But Eric Flowers, I mean, he signed a big contract in Miami. He might be pretty good. Yeah, I would have liked to see them go – get Tristan worse because I feel like even as from a scheme standpoint he fits more than Mekhi Becton does I mean you want to run you want to get a guy out in front of Le'Veon Bell that's Tristan worse I think as far as anybody in the class that's going to get out and and bowl some guys over for you in space I feel like he's the most athletic guy to do it as opposed to somebody who 
you know, will take a year or two to develop to get to that, that top level um, of, of the offensive tackle class at this point, which I mean, yeah, he could be, he could be a top five offensive tackle uh, in the league. Like, I, I think his ceiling's that high and you look at his tape, like, but it's just so inconsistent at this point. Will he get to that level? And like you said, in the New York market, will the New York team allow him to get to that point too? I think is a, is a big, a big, uh, big question mark. Let's see. I'm trying to look at the rest of this draft here. Any other questions? Oh, Jalen hurts to Philly. I like, we got to talk about that. Well, what, what's, what's the plan? Philly fans are crazy, man. I mean, they're, they hate everything. They hate everybody. They're always looking for something to be upset at. Like, I just don't get it. I love it. I love Jalen hurts. He's the hardest worker in this class. He was literally working out the day, the first round, the second round, like every day of the draft, he was working out. He was getting better. He was improving the narrative. He can't throw the ball. It's stupid. I think that Wentz gets hurt so often, it's a pick that – it's a win-win pick because if he outperforms Wentz, oh, my gosh, you've got yourself a franchise guy yeah. forever. Yeah. If he doesn't, oh, well, he's a backup, and Carson goes down, he plays okay, well, we got a backup now. We don't have mm. a backup before. So, like, there you go. You've got a pretty serviceable guy, and Jalen Hurts is a backup. Wentz has a pretty bad injury history. So, I, I don't know. I kind of love the pick. I know Philly fans don't, but – um. You know, what do they love? I just don't get it. I, yeah. they, they hate everything. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. You look at their draft, too, uh, from a wide receiver standpoint. They traded for Marquise Goodwin. They, uh, they drafted Jalen Rager. I'm trying to think. There was another guy they got. But basically, their emphasis was on speed and getting really fast, which at first, I didn't like the Jalen Rager pick because <laughs> I thought he was a reach. Um, and, I like, he's got drop issues. I know he had a bad quarterback at TCU. I've been told that pretty regularly. but you look at just everything that he does. Um, you know, he's he's a speed guy, but then you see in the off season he's doing 500 pushups a day, trying to build muscle. Like, and then he runs a four or five at the combine. I mean, there was just too many factors. Like, what you know, he was having an identity crisis in the NFL off season, in the off season leading up to the draft. Um, but but now, like, they're getting every speed guy. Um, like, I think I saw somewhere that their entire like all their new guys ran a sub like. Four four forty, so they're they're putting a lot of speed out there. I don't hate it. I mean, what do you like? What do you think about the Jalen Rager pick? Obviously, getting Marquise Goodwin, and, and I think well, Marquise Goodwin was not great on the 49ers. It's like, I, I mean, maybe he didn't get his chance to shine. Maybe Kyle Shanahan wasn't a fit for him. Um, but I mean, I, if Philly's going speed, they're going speed. They you know with Deshaun Jackson with Sean McCoy back in the day and Jerry Macklin, they were a speed team. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they haven't had this identity before. Uh, Doug Peterson. To me, Doug Peterson was the greatest one-year wonder coach of all time. I think that, you know, he kind of was, like, open to playbook. He had all these plays that nobody understood. There was no tape on what he was running. And once people got tape on it, I mean, tape changes everything. Once you get tape on somebody – there's Kyle Allen, for example, just mm-hmm. tape. Yeah. Kyle Allen was great his first seven, eight games. What happened? People got tape, and like that, he was a t- bottom three quarterback in the league, now in the Washington Redskins. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what Doug Peterson can do. I don't think he's the answer. I think he was a great one-year guy. Philly will turn on this year when they don't win, you know, eight games. Uh, but I like the speed. I don't know. I like it. I mean, do something different, right? Yeah. You're going to send guys downfield and run four verticals every play. Go ahead. Let's see what happens. I'm all in to watch it. It's going to be an interesting show every week. Yeah. No, that'll be fun for sure. I mean, some people are saying it was, it was Frank Reich in Philadelphia that was, that was making the engine run uh, as far as going to the Super Bowl. Ooh. So. And I didn't even think – I kind of forgot about Frank. He's on, he's on the Colts now. So, I mean, I just, that's, the, that's the only reason I brought it up. It's just a plug that, that we got 
we got that guy that he's my head coach. Um, oh, are you a Colts fan? Yeah, I am a Colts fan. Mm-hmm. So what's up with the Jonathan Taylor pick? Because Marlon Mack's on my dynasty team, and I'm a little pissed off. Okay, well, look, I think I think it's uh, first off, I love it. I think it, was, it took me a while because we traded up to get Jonathan Taylor. So it was like, who trades up for a running back? But um, then I watched a highlight tape of just all the 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 runs he's put together, and then I felt a lot better. Um, I do feel bad for you and for Marlon Mack, but as far as a running back by committee standpoint, like Naheem Hines is a great pass catcher. Marlon Mack can, can, can put together some runs. I mean, he's not, you know, he rushed for a thousand yards last year, but he's never going to be uh, uh, the guy. You know what I mean? He's not a, he's not a bell cow. I yeah, agree. exactly. But you get a guy like Jonathan Taylor and you mix all three of those guys together. I mean, that's going to be, we may, we may have, I'm going to say it now. We may have one of the best rushing attacks in football. I, I think line great. And Jonathan Taylor is a guy that ran behind a Wisconsin offensive line. You give him big, big boys like the Colts have, mm-hmm. um, then he could be a guy that gets, you know, 15, 20 touches again, you know, yeah. right out of the gate. Cause you just pound that guy through the tackles. Um, Marlon Max is okay through the tackle back, but he's really good at getting on the outside. He's good at creating space. Um, I'm a big Marlon Mack fan just cause I have him on my team and I watch him play so much, but I'm also a Jonathan Taylor fan. So an interesting pick. But but quarterback Philip Rivers is on a one year loan. So what what do you do? You sign well, Cam Newton as a backup. I mean, you well, know. we got we got Jacob Eason in the fourth round. Which yeah, I, I thought the guy though. I thought it was interesting to see like I mean you look at Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, even Anthony Gordon. They had like two to three round grades on a couple guys. I mean Anthony Gordon went unsigned. You know he he signed with the Seahawks. Was a UDFA. But Jake Fromm went later. Jacob Eason went like I thought. I thought these guys were going to go in the second round. So I think for the value, it makes a lot of sense. And what better place could Jacob Eason, you know, learn from than I mean, Frank Reich's a, a great coach, and then he's got two. I mean, I believe Jacoby Brissett is a is starter quality. He he was injured last year, uh, but before that, I mean, he was putting. You know, we were I think we we're six and two. He had fourteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Like he was he was doing a lot of good things, um, but. But then he got injured, and, and some things started to fall apart there. But Jacob Eason's going to learn from two starting quality quarterbacks. Um, and then who knows from there, honestly. Like, I, I would have loved to see the Colts sign Jameis Winston at the beginning of the offseason over Phillip Rivers. I am a big, I'm a big Jameis Winston guy. And I, and I think with, with in the right system, in the right fit, he can be an above-average quarterback. I mean, he's never going to be a top, a top five guy just because interceptions are always going to be there. But um, – yeah, I think Jacob Eason, like if we can if we can channel his his talent, because I think he's he's got the the best arm in the class, of just as far as as launching it, you know. Like if we can get him to at the very least be a guy like Josh Allen, who uh you know maybe maybe less of a runner, more of an accurate passer, then who knows? But Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, their contracts are done at the end of this year, so we kind of have to kind of have to make a choice. I know. I agree. Well, I'm a Jacoby Brissett fan. I think he's good. Um, mm-hmm. I do like him. They, like you said, the Colts were six and two. They were playing pretty good football, and he gets hurt. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I believe in the Colts once they get a quarterback. I'm not an Eastern believer, but I get it. I respect it if you are. No hate because everybody's opinions are different. So yeah. No. Well, I just think I think it's worth it. You know, in the fourth round at that point, the value was there because normally, you know, to get a guy. Like right now, I put him in the the top tier backup class. Like if I if I'm getting a backup quarterback, he'd be one of the guys I, I'd like to get. You know, playing a pinch, and if he can develop into something, great. If not, 
I mean, it's just a fourth rounder. You know, we can get, yeah. we can get another guy next year. So I, I think it was worth it. Um, yeah, I was, I put together a couple of drafts. I liked, I thought the Broncos did a really good job. Um, cause their biggest thing, John Elway was like, we got to get drew lock some protection. We got to get him some weapons. So they went out and got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, who in my opinion, KJ Hamler is everything that Jalen Rager is, but just a little bit better. Like, I, I think, you know, you watch the tape and what he's able to do. They're both speed guys, but I think KJ Hamler's got better hands. I think he's got an ability to run a wider route tree. Um, and, and, and he's just as fast, but Jerry Judy, I mean, that was my wide receiver one. I think he's going to, to flourish. And then you have Cortland Sutton there as well. Uh, and then they signed Lloyd uh, Cush. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. Cortland Sutton is an absolute bona fide star. He's a wide receiver one mm-hmm. this year without Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler. Now that he has both of them, I mean, they're going to be a re- they could be a really good offensive. Drew Locke, if he shows up, if he's as cool as his music videos and him singing on the sidelines, then he they're money. But yeah. that, that just ha- he has to show up. You know, it looks good on paper until it happens. Yeah, I mean, he had a good stretch. Like that's why towards the end, I think people were starting to be like, well, these Broncos could do something. I mean, their their defense is still solid. I think they can get a little bit left out of Von Miller, um, and then they have Justin Simmons, who I think is one of the most underrated safeties in the NFL. I mean, look yeah, they at the, tagged him, didn't they? they tagged yeah, they him. did. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, he's just I'm a big Justin Simmons fan as well. Yeah, so I think you look at that defense; it's good enough. Uh, I think the Broncos could be a playoff team. I really do. Like, you look at the offense, like, their first three picks are three difference makers. Lloyd Cushenberry, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler. You you get those guys. Uh, that's wide receiver two, wide receiver three right there. And then a guy who can play guard or center. I don't, I don't know where, where they're going to put him, but I think he's flexible enough. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, that that's the uh, – that's the, the Cliff Kingsbury mentality last year with Kyler Murray is that if you give him enough weapon, that's why they drafted four wide receivers. Cause if you give them enough talent to throw the ball to, it doesn't matter uh, what their protection looks like. So um, yeah, I, I really like the Broncos draft. I think they did a good job. Um, the bills too. I thought they got really good value. Not only getting Stefan Diggs, a guy who can be their wide receiver one, cause they were kind of lacking that, but then AJ Panessa, I thought was a steal in the back end of the second round. I think he's yeah, that got- was a great that that's a value pick if there ever was one. Like, mm-hmm. so, like I think their uh, their GM was saying like he's not gonna blow you away. He's not super sexy, but he gets a job done. Yeah. Sometimes, and I feel like that's a Buffalo guy right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, that no. That doesn't really like every time they have a superstar, he's like a big. T- Tre'Davious White is, is different, obviously, mm-hmm. but like most of their defensive linemen are always just kind of quiet guys that get the job done. What was that? Yeah. Jerry Hughes was the big white guy they had forever in the middle. Uh, Kyle Kyle Hughes wasn't it? Oh. I think he retired last year, but he's like a like a thirteen year oh, Bills guy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, absolute stud. Got the job done always. Was a Pro Bowler a couple of times. Didn't say anything. I mean, they just get quiet guys that get the job done. That's kind of what you want, right? Yeah, and then, living in Buffalo, so yeah, that's true. No, and Zach Moss too. I mean, you, I oh. couldn't think of a better guy to replace Frank Gore, who plays a very similar style, but obviously is younger. I mean, the reason he slipped was because of his knee concerns, but there was it was. Something that happened last year, I think, but he's been cleared and everything. So I think I think Zach Moss is RB one. Uh, that's what I've heard is that they plan to use him as, like basically what how they used Frank Gore last year. They're using Zach Moss this year. So I think that's uh, a genius move there. And then I'm I mean, really Jake interested to see Devin Singletary what they do with him because I'm a big Singletary fan. Mm-hmm. I think he was really good last year for Josh Allen coming out of the backfield. I mean, he was good through the tackles, which he's not really a through the tackles running back, but mm-hmm. he was good. Yeah, and, um, I had him on a fantasy team, and I liked watching him play. And I think Josh Allen, if like I said, Stephon Diggs, I mean, they're going to be better. 
So they're going to be better than they were last year. It's their time to take the division. Uh, they got like a two or three year window. They need to go ahead and they need to get it done. Yeah, definitely. And then one more here, Dallas's draft. I thought like top to bottom, I thought they hit on nearly every pick. I think as far as, as far as, and the, the only one that, that uh, you could have questioned was that Reggie Robinson pick the cornerback. Um, but he's a hometown guy. He lives in, in Cleburne, which is like 45 minutes away from Dallas. And uh, apparently from, from what I was reading, he's a very athletic guy. So a guy they, they think they can develop. But CeeDee Lamb, Trevon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, Bradley and I and, and Tyler Baidaz, I think that's how you say his name, the center out of Wisconsin, I think. Like those, those five guys, and that's a solid class you know, and, and everything was a value pick. Like, I don't know if, I know, I don't know if I'm ready to say Dallas had the best draft, but they're definitely top three. I think as far as like, I mean, just CD lamb falling to you in the beginning is, is a, is a, a, a huge, a, a big thing for them. But yeah. yeah, I think Jerry Jones took the philosophy of taking best available, which to me, I don't understand why more players or more teams don't do that. Like mm-hmm. if you know somebody that's been like, and I get it, you pay for scouts, you pay, you're paying people on your payroll all year to scout these players. But you get a guy like a Mel Kuyper or Tom McShay or Danny Jeremiah, that their entire job is to figure out the top 50, top 100 guys. Mm-hmm. Why not listen to them? Like, yeah. it's a free resource to use. I get it if it's not a super big need. But if you're going to draft a guy that maybe he sits for a year, but three, four years on the line, he might be a pro bowler or just a really serviceable starter rather than take a chance on a guy who, like, well, boomer bust. Ah. Well, I took a guy that sits for a year, but he's best available. He could be a stud. Mm-hmm. Not that some guy with just a really high ceiling and a really low floor. So I, I don't know. I yeah. like Jerry draft. Well, and here's the thing that I'm most concerned about is that like you look at these drafts and obviously like, you know, you and I, we do our research, but you know, I wouldn't consider us experts uh, in, in the field of, of scouting. So my big thing is like, well, is the, the fact that I really like their draft a bad thing? Like, does that mean it's not going to work out? I think that's, I think that's my biggest concern right now is that like, you know, whoa, this draft is really good. And then we look back five years later and it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I mean, yeah, as far as fit need and like you said, best player available, I think they, they ticked all the boxes and and players just fell into their lap. Uh, Any, any other closing thoughts? I, you know, move on to the MJ doc, but do you, anything else that you were thinking of? One more. How okay. do the Ravens always end up with the best defensive player available that should have been drafted <laughs> around before? I mean, they always – they fall into every good defensive player, every draft, and they're yeah. just going to continuously being a better defense, which is blows me away. But, I mean, you know, how can you hate on a team that does that? Every year they always get the best defensive player available, and it always works out. Mm-hmm. So, there's my closing thoughts on the draft. The Ravens did a really good job as well. Yeah, that, that, they, were, they were my honorable mention too, I think, because, yeah, you get, you get a guy like Patrick Queen. And then J.K. Dobbins, I thought that was a great move. You know, yeah. give give another guy in the backfield. I mean, now you got to stop what five guys. You know, in addition to Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I mean, Jackson Dobbins is a great pick. He's yeah. a stud, man. People people just stop talking about him. Like Clyde edwards helaire got a lot of love, um, and then and obviously Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. But it felt like with everything, uh, J.K. Dobbins kind of got left out. But he rushed for two thousand yards last year. I mean, like he he put up a, a really good season on on one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. I think I mean, that's the one thing too, uh, is if you just draft guys, I, this is what, this is what Mike Mayock does, but if you just draft guys from Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state, you know, like really good programs, there's a, ch- there's a chance that they're going to pan out, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with that. Also the Ravens are other, their third round pick, 
Justin Matabuke, the defense tackle from Texas A&M. He was, a lot of people had an early second round grade on him. He falls to the third. Uh, I thought that was a good value pick as well. So not there in dire need of a defensive tackle, right? But they took the best guy on the board. Yeah. Turned out to be a deaf guy or a stud. So I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they killed it. Definitely. Um, so yeah, moving on here. Well, oh, first before we get to the MJ doc, Jameis on the Saints. I mean, that was like, yeah, that's insane. That quarterback room is fantastic. You know, I think you, you basically get a guy who is, is better than, I, I think he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater and I, and you got him to be your backup quarterback and maybe secede uh, Drew Brees when he retires. I mean, do you think this is like a long-term solution for the Saints? Like, okay, we're moving on to this guy to be our quarterback. Or was this simply like, oh, he's a value guy here. We can get him for cheap to be our, our QB too. I think he's better than Drew Brees right now. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that Drew Brees is old. I think he started towards the end of last year ducking, throwing a little bit of ducks. I still think he's going to have one year left. Like, he's still a good quarterback because of his football IQ. But your arm starts to fade. And, I mean, we saw Tom a little bit. His arm started to fade last year. Phillip Rivers started to fade a little bit last year. When Peyton Manning started to fade, he never came back. Jameis Winston's yeah. in his prime, man. Like, he's, like, in the best time of his life. The LASIK surgery. He could be a superstar. Um, you know, his decision-making has always been a question. But if they were to hold on to him for a long time, he could be a Super Bowl quarterback with the roster they have built around him. So, we'll see, I guess. You know, wait and see. But I'm a big fan of that. Also, Steelers offered him more money, and he chose the Saints. So. Yep. That was that was the thing. I thought I thought the Steelers would have been the perfect fit for him. He's and, big in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's literally his comp. Uh I thought something interesting, I think PFF put it out yesterday on Twitter, uh, that the quarterbacks under Bruce Arians in their first year, so Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and Jameis Winston, all all had, they were graded 40 turnover-worthy plays. So basically all three of those guys had the same amount of mistakes, if you will, as far as, as poor throws. But Jameis is the only one with 30 interceptions. So I thought that was something that was interesting. Um, that and is, how PFF will drop some stats on you that make your head kind of spin. So. Yeah, no, they are they're good at that, definitely. So, I mean, now now it begs the question. I mean, you go from a guy Bruce Arians, whose number one philosophy is just like get the ball out as far and and as fast as possible, um, to a guy like Sean Payton and Drew Brees, who Drew Brees is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history, especially over the last few years. So maybe that sort of thing rubs off on him and, and he gets a little smarter. I mean, I don't see anywhere that it's, it's bad for the saints. Like I think it's unfair for the rest of the league that, that the saints have basically three guys that they can employ at quarterback at any given time. Yeah. I'm a Taysom Hill fan too, but I don't, I don't get the love behind him being a franchise guy. Like he's good at what he does. He's a great role player, man. He's a great mm. role player. Yeah. He's not a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I saw another thing. It might have been PFF as well, that Jameis Winston's thrown more completions to Saints players than Taysom Hill has. That is, I saw it as well. It was like 14 to like seven. Like, yeah. It was like a mm-hmm. pretty low number, which is even crazier. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting – you know, we can spend a whole different time in and of itself just talking about Taysom Hill as, as a quarterback. But let's move on here. MJ Doc uh, – my first takeaway, I love Dennis Rodman so much. Like that story about him with his friends in the gym at two, three in the morning and him just saying, shoot it, like shoot it. And I'm watching how it bounces. Like, I mean, you talk about a football guy, like that's a football guy playing basketball, basically saying like, I'm going to learn how the ball bounces off the rim so I can be the best rebounder in the NBA. Yeah, which is crazy too, because his background, I mean, he was homeless for a while. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the 30 for 30 on him on ESPN before, but 
that is a must-watch 30 for 30. He comes from nothing. I mean, it, it, an insane come-up story it really is. And for him to be maybe the best rebounder of all time in the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, or up there at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, basketball, basketball guy. You know, he took shots. of He was kamikaze shot guy when he went to Vegas for 48 hours, right? Yeah. Let me tell you what I am. I'm a Pepto-Bismol guy. <laughs> JT. Okay, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> this is what we take shots of. That's right. Because my stomach hurts, baby. I don't do kamikaze shots. I do Pepto shots. That's right. Yeah, and thank you to our sponsor, our unofficial sponsor of this episode, Pepto-Bismol. Pepto-Bismol. Uh, don't take kamikaze shots. Take Pepto-Bismol shots. That's baby. right. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that was like that stretch. Um, also, another one, the Bad Boys documentary. I mean, they just touched on it a little bit. But the, like talking about the Jordan rules and the bad boys like that, that 30 for 30 also like that's that's in my top three of 30 for 30s all time is that bad boys yeah. documentary. And well, I the felt like thing is you can go back and watch all of it now. Right. Yeah. Like, like all of this with this Jordan doc to me has helped push. Have you ever seen the dream team documentary? Mm-hmm. Yep. Phenomenal. I yeah. went back and watch that after last week's episode. Last night I was too tired, but I was going to go back and watch the Dennis Robin one. There's like three perfect documentaries to mm-hmm. pair with what's going on right now to get a better look inside the bad boys, Dennis Rodman, and Michael and Scotty on the dream team. I mean, it's, it's just a great – sports are, are gone, but we have kind of an awakening of Michael Jordan right now, which is perfect. So, I mean, another great two episodes. They're, and Twitter has been great too. Yeah. Right? No, it's, it's, it's interesting. Sport. Yeah. No, it, it, it's very interesting because, like, it reminds me of, like, Sunday Night Football, you know, where for somehow, like, we're all connected and we're all watching the same thing. So I go through Twitter – and I'm like, oh, I just saw this five seconds ago, but somebody reworded it, you know, in, in a funny way. Like, I, I love it. The fact that we are all watching the same thing, doing the same thing at the same time. It does feel like sports are back in a little bit of a way, which, uh, I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, Yeah, I, I think it's interesting um, that I feel like it just got glossed over. They didn't really focus on it. But you look at when they talked about Jordan when he was like, winning uh defensive player of the year mvp like all this stuff but he couldn't lead teams to a championship i was like man uh lebron james fans and michael jordan fans realize they have or i guess lebron james fans realize they have more in common with with michael jordan fans than they thought because i mean you look at it now i mean obviously um i think i think michael jordan eventually erased all those questions but in social media age if if that was if that was over in 1988 like this guy's getting burned relentlessly you know like oh yeah you can score 30 points a game but you can't get out of the eastern conference semis like this uh, like it, it would have been like pressure on twitter would have been crazy well and the thing is he had scotty then too though like he didn't have dennis until the last three but he had scotty so the 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 thing is well he had scotty pippen you know he had scotty pippen he had scotty it's like lebron had kevin love he had Kyrie irving he had chris bosh he had Dwayne wade he had ray allen for a couple good years LeBron had all the talent in the world, man. Mm-hmm. And I get it, he was going to get some super team. Like, the, the Warriors were crazy good. Kevin Durant, the, the whole decision, the whole thing. Here's a conspiracy theory for you, JT. Okay. Uh, Draymond Green getting suspended for game five changed the course of NBA history more That's than fair. anything ever has ever because the Warriors take that game at home. They get the championship. They go home. They're two out of two, two rings, two years. Oh, my gosh. This is the greatest franchise ever. KD stays in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City might beat Golden State the next year because Oklahoma City also blew a three to one lead that same year in the Western Conference Finals. That That's a lot right. Of about um, they keep that OKC team together. Who knows what happens? Kevin Durant probably doesn't have a torn Achilles. 
He's not the situation he wants. The whole NBA dynamic is so different. And it, I think that's the biggest suspension of all time. So, man, that's, uh, I, I, there's my, there's my big take on it. Look, I, I, I don't hate it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah, I mean, Kevin Randall joined a team that lost game seven, but will he join a team that, that won game five of the NBA finals? Maybe not. No way. Why that, that that's walking into a range. That's why. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did was at least they lost. So I still don't, I hate this. I mean, I don't, I like Kevin, right. I'm also a closet warriors fan that not a lot of people know about. So we're getting all your secrets, all your secrets out today. It was really nice being winning three out of four. I mean, who's counting? But um, <laughs> that was an amazing feeling. And then the Kevin stuff was just like, man, like I still think the Warriors could have won without him, but it changed the course of NBA history forever. And Katie joined a team that had just won 73 games. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I mean, if anything, it's it's like a lesson in, in um, salary cap gymnastics because, like, the way that they had everything structured – like, I mean, that's that's a crazy thing in and of itself that the GM was able to get Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Like for that value and like the because they I think they signed Steph to like a four year, fifty million dollar deal after his rookie season. So it was like kind of you know because he was kind of a wild card with the ankles um, and, and that sort of thing. But I mean, that just everything came together at the right time. Like as much as I didn't like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, I thought it was just the perfect like. I mean, you, you respect it. You know what I mean? Who was the guy? Who was the guy that was the Bulls coach? I totally spaced on his name. Doug uh, Collins. Doug Collins. Yeah, Doug Collins was Mark Jackson, and Phil Jackson was Steve Kerr. That is such a good way to put it because you are absolutely right. Mark Jackson did, lost to the Spurs like four to two. Gets fired. Kerr wins. I think Kerr wins the championship the next year. If I'm mm-hmm. not. Yeah, yeah. So, that, that first year he gets in there. Yeah, and Mark Jackson had the boys competitive, man. I mean, I remember when they beat the Nuggets that first year when they kind of were – it was Draymond, Steph, and Clay, man. Like, that was one of the most exciting playoff series of my life. Mm-hmm. I would stay up late and watch Warriors games on TV because Steph was my favorite player of all time. Um, but, man, that, Doug Collins is Mark Jackson. Rest in peace in peace. So Yeah, I mean, look, you can start the debate. Who, who walked into a ring or who did less for a ring? Was it Kevin Durant or Steve Kerr, right? Like – I mean, that yeah. team was ready to go. Like, I don't – like, honestly, obviously having a former player helps, you know, with, with working with chemistry issues, that sort of thing. But, like, honestly, like, you could have put either of us on that coaching bench and just sat and watched, and the Warriors could have, you know, they could have won a title, I think. Maybe not. I, let them play. <laughs> do it – yeah, do it, do whatever you want. Steph, you want to shoot 23s? That's fine. It's all good. hands off here, man. Steve Kerr, hands off. Let them go. You know, yeah. get the best three shooters in the world on your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Okay, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Before we let you go, the big question now. The NFL draft is over. Obviously, we've got the MJ doc to look forward to every Sunday. But now that, like, the last live sports thing is gone for – I mean, we don't know because I, I heard UFC is planning something potentially in the future. I know Tiger and Phil are playing with uh, Brady and Manning at some point. But as far as right now, we don't have something to look forward to as a, for a set date in the future as far as live sports. So what are we going to do? So here, here's what I'll tell you. And earlier I said, if the WNBA stopped forcing people onto WNBA, they would care more. Well, here's where I'm going to pitch you for the UFC. The card they have coming on May the 9th, if you're a casual fan and you're not super into MMA like myself, it's perfect. There's so many, like, just gruesome – violent fights on the card with heavy greg hardy's on the fight 
Greg Hardy's on the card, man. Football, and football guy. Hey, yeah, hate Greg Hardy if you want. He's a draw. People love watching him fight because he's actually a freak. Greg Hardy's a great MMA fighter. And, I mean, he was all pro defensive in, right? So you got UFC 9. You got Greg Hardy. You got Francis Ngannou. Freak. Freak. I mean, you just got you got these heavyweight freaks, man. And then you got Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje for the interim title, ready to fight Habib. Uh, dude, it's, it's, it's an insane card, man. So, oh, not only did the, is that insane card happening on May 9th, May 13th, that Thursday night, they're having another card. Then May 16th, they're having another. They're having three cards in seven days. Jeez, that's that's crazy. So, I'm, I'm Dana White's biggest fan. He 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 is nobody. Nobody has been a pioneer like he has for the UFC. He has pushed the needle, pushed the needle, and pushed the needle. He's continuing to push the needle. Gavin Newsom, part of my French, I almost dropped an F bomb. He's the reason it didn't happen on April 18th. That is all him. That's all Gavin Newsom's fault. He went to Disney's head execs and ESPN's head execs and told them it shouldn't be happening on this tribal land. He was going to hold the fight in a tribal land because it was a, it was the U.S. could have come after him. This guy's a genius. Inter- wow. Interesting. That, that's something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm a, I would consider myself a casual MMA fan. Like, I know a couple guys, uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah a, a few guys. Don't ask me who they are, but uh i'll probably be tuning in honestly at this point like i i need i need something i need something to to uh to watch that that feels like sport which i mean obviously mma and and ufc is so yeah i'm excited i'm excited I like the way you the way you set it up i mean i'm kind of pumped i'm ready to go like i'm ready to watch it three cards in three days has never happened in the ufc before will never happen again it's going to be an amazing week of fights, and that's I live for it, man. I took some BJJ and some MMA classes back in the day because I got so into watching the UFC and like Bellator, Pride, Strike Force. Like I, I've been watching since I was probably fourteen or fifteen. I'm twenty six now, um, and it's just you get into the fighters, man. They, mm-hmm. they post like a think of Michael Jordan dog, but before the fight, big fights, and they'll do this for this one. They'll go and cover the athletes. They'll tell their stories. They'll tell them what they've been doing. And you can go and watch old fights, see how violent they really are and get into these guys. And it's different in other sports because it's two, two men or two women fighting in a cage. They're locked inside an octagon. It's their personality versus the other person's personality. It's not a team on team. It's, it's mano y mano, my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're locked in there and someone's going to kill you. That's their job is to knock you out. They're trying to kill you. And that's what makes it so interesting is that you see these survival techniques come out with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Greco-Roman wrestling, uh, Muay Thai. I mean, all these crazy things these guys have learned over the years. And here I go pushing MMA on you. Hey, and, look, um, that's fine. That's fine <laughs> at this point. I, I, don't, I don't mind. I don't hate it at all. So it's, uh, it's, a lot of people don't know this, but it's my favorite. I'm, I'm actually MMA over football, basketball, all of them. I just don't, I don't talk about it as much, and I don't tweet about it as much because it's, it happens at 1 in the morning sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. but you should tune in. I'll do a yeah. preview. I'll probably do a po- like a podcast preview or a video preview before uh, with gambling odds and gambling picks and stuff like that. Because uh, one more secret, I have UFC Fight Pass, so I actually go and before the cards happen, I go back and I watch all the fighters' past fights, so I know their tendencies, what they're going to do in the octagon against another person, how they wrestle, how their stand up is, and then I gamble. And you can win big when you've seen another person fight because you know how two people are going to match up. So interesting. If you want my picks, I will gladly give you some picks out. Um, but yeah, yeah, there you go, man. May 9th, baby. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Thank you so much for coming on, talking with me this week. 
uh, I mean, we got to do it in the future sometime. Maybe, maybe we'll get you back on after the, the May 9th card or after all three cards. And then we can just let's do it, man. And then I, we, miss, and, talk, I miss talking sports with a camera and a microphone in front of me. So I'm all in my man. Perfect. Well, look, I'll, I'll shoot you a text and then we'll, and we'll just go from there. You'll be, you'll be the, you'll be the guy. You'll be the, the guy I go to. Hey, as long as I get to hear I'm the guy, I'm in. Because you're also the guy. Thank you for having me on, man. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, no, it's a good time. All right, well, we'll plan for the future. But you take care, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. You too. Thanks again, man.